Welcome to another community conversation from Educause. Today I'm joined by the Chancellor and the CIO at Foothill De Anza Community College District. Welcome, Judy. Welcome, Joe. I wanted to start with a goofy recollection. So I remember back in 2012, there was an interview in Educause Review, and it was about analytics, and the title was No More Excuses. And it makes me think, Every institution has to reach a point where they decide that the imperative to do analytics becomes bigger than the hesitations and the doubts and the questions. When did you reach that point at, at Foothill Danza? I would say that we really began uh, a deep dive into analytics probably after the Great Recession in 2009, it forced us because of the drops in enrollments and just a number of other demographic changes in Silicon Valley for us to begin thinking about our place in the larger social context. Nationally, community colleges are under a certain amount of stress these days. Financially, everyone is. Uh, in terms of enrollments, community colleges are feeling that strain uh, more than ever. How do you make the case for investing in analytics and data at a time when resources are at a low? When I think about making a case for data analytics and sort of the cost that's there, I'd like to start by saying, if we agree as a community on our institutional values and goals, then data and participatory governance are essential elements in achieving those goals. So evidence-based strategies will certainly be compelling, but highly inclusive dialogue and even debate um, will create more commitment to and ownership of the work to be done at the operational level. I'd like to add to that, John, the biggest investment that we need to be prepared to make is time. For most institutions, we have gobs of data. We have the tools to visualize that data, to report on that data, but developing a culture of, of data ingestion, if you will, by all of those governance groups and planning groups and management groups, and really making the time to understand what the data says, to challenge it if we don't agree, but to be prepared to be surprised. And we need to put in the time to understand what our data is telling us. And Joe, I'm gonna ask you, pretend your boss isn't in the room. Uh, could you have done it without buy-in from the top? No. <laughs> the CEO of our institution, and certainly of any institution, has an enormous impact on how that culture shifts. By having that leadership and by saying, you know, look folks, this is the kind of institution we need to be for our students. And this is the culture that will deliver that. We can have all the tools in the world, but if the culture doesn't embrace them, then they're not much good to us. We published a, a statement along with Nakubo and uh, the Association for Institutional Research and it's changewithanalytics.com. And in it, we said that if you're going to do analytics, those initiatives should be driven by specific outcomes, the specific results you want. I'm curious, what were your top outcomes that you were hoping to change with analytics? I would have to say that the goals that we have at Foothill De Anza are really about student access and success. So I, I would put maybe at, at the top of the list, our dual mission 
of transfer and employability as a function of our transfer preparation and our career technical education programs. Those are equally important to us. And they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, even though some people might view it um, that way. Certainly having an increase in the diversity of the students who go into various areas where we have had an underrepresentation whether it's around ethnicity or gender or ability or gender identity, that's really important to us that, that we prepare the most diverse population of students for the world that they are entering as, as workers. And I would say in the, the third area that I would want to look at um, is that cultural shift for the institution. I think it's really important having picked up on something that Joe has said about being surprised by data. I really like that approach that we may discover things that we didn't know about the way we're operating. And so to be very open to say the data need to inform ways that we would change and not just looking for the support for opinions uh, that we've held or practices that we've had in the institution in a very traditional way. One of the things that I've found particularly uh, interesting and inspiring about your approach to data and analytics is your looking at it in the context of social justice. And uh, I'd love to hear you share some of your insights about that. I will try to confine my comments within a reasonable amount of time because tying analytics to social justice is just at the heart of, of what I believe we need to do as institutions. Um, Foothill and De Anza have had a strong history of courageous and uncomfortable conversations around student equity. And now we need to build on the stated commitments to increase student access and success through genuine institutional transformation. I believe our best chance to achieve ambitious goals is to use analytics to identify the problems to be solved and then subsequently identify the best solutions. Our major challenge to becoming a more equitable institution is addressing what I see as the intersection of institutional racism, student basic needs and access to technology. And by institutional racism, I mean our own policies and procedures that may have unintended consequences because we have never assessed disparate impact on certain populations. One example I can give you, I applaud the libraries at Foodle and De Anza who changed their approach to library fines and associated sanctions after considering the reasons why the poorest students tended to incur the most fines. And the policy revisions would never have occurred had the faculty and staff not seriously listened to student stories, reviewed the data, and then reflected on their own agency to remove an institutional barrier. And when I refer to basic needs, I mean housing, hunger, and mental health. Affordable housing for students and even our employees um, has been a more glaring problem in Silicon Valley since the Great Recession. And the pandemic has exacerbated food insecurity and mental health crises. 
Among our immediate responses, our district passed a general obligation bond to include a $200 million earmark for housing partnerships. Our foundation has done substantial fundraising to support the college food pantries and food vouchers, and the colleges have expanded mental health services. But for the long term, we need to understand the most effective ways to engage in regional partnerships with agencies and organizations who are best equipped to address student basic needs. And I come back to the issue of research and data analytics there to help guide the kind of work that we do in hugely complex problems. Clearly, um, it's about the region, it's about the state, it's about the nation. And when I refer to access to technology, I want us to be mindful that it is important, but not sufficient, to just provide devices and Wi-Fi to students because they may be studying in physical spaces that are not conducive to learning. So with our ongoing return to campus activities, improving Wi-Fi connectivity to increase more study spaces is a top priority. And again, we will need to conduct further research into student needs regarding access to technology. One of the important things that we're gonna need to get really good at is microanalytics. We're going to need to be able to take regular small snapshots of student experiences in order for us to advance our agenda around social justice and student basic needs. And in some ways, we may need to really look to the commercial sector, look at those strategies that they use to evaluate customer service and customer satisfaction. Uh, So we might say to our students, you you recently had uh, an interaction with admissions and records or financial aid or uh, counseling and advising or or what have you. How, how was that for you? Uh, d- did you get what you needed? Uh, if not, how can we make that better? And to really take those small views of what students are doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, because I think the insight that we gain from that may be far more valuable than an annual student satisfaction survey or participating in a national student engagement survey project or or something of that sort. I really am inspired by what you're saying. I just want to say I look forward to that being part of a longer conversation. And having said that, everything in higher education is complex. So on the one hand, you're drawing these amazing connections between analytics and data as a way to advance social justice. On the other hand, there's quite a few headlines these days about data and analytics contributing to injustice, whether it's algorithmic bias or or privacy. How do you balance those two possibilities? You know, um, that is uh, the challenge of the 21st century. There's two sides to this coin. The one side is our students, our, our faculty, our staff come to us and say, why didn't you know this about me? Why didn't you know this was happening in my program, in my department, in my life? Uh, Why didn't you uh, do something proactively to to make things better for me? At the same time, if we do some of those things, the other side of that coin is, well, who asked you to do that? That's an invasion of my privacy. And so I think that the thing that will help us strike that balance 
is again, going back to this notion of institutional culture and devising a culture of agility and responsibility to say, here's a place where I think we need to concentrate. How far can we go before it is no longer helpful and becomes invasive? And how do we need to adjust that? And it certainly will not be a one-size-fits-all scenario. What might be helpful to another student may be invasive to one and vice versa. And so our ability to understand that and adjust our approach will be absolutely primary to our ability to use data responsibly uh, and successfully. I do think the um, balance between privacy and the information that we would need to, to improve the institution is very much a part of institutional culture. And I, I'm proud of the confidence that I think we can have in our faculty and staff to responsibly use information. I think we have um, safeguards in our policies and procedures as to who has access to information. And I do believe that we've done a lot of professional development over the years in helping people understand, uh, if you will, sort of good, bad uses of data. And the, the constant dialogue really that does go on about the meaning of the data that we're reviewing. And um, I think very lively debates that go on about whether or not certain um, data points are significant or not. You know, is the N is too small in a particular area to really draw important uh, conclusions? The researchers at the two colleges really have done, I think, very rigorous statistical studies in certain areas. And so when I think about the information regarding the student progress at um, De Anza College and the California Acceleration Project in mathematics and what has been done to change faculty strategies in teaching mathematics and what they have learned about that. There were just some really important learnings out of that that can translate then to additional professional development um, for our faculty. But kind of protecting the faculty identity in looking at the analysis of sections in order to understand the difference in strategies for the same section that may go across quite a, I mean, like literally thousands of students over a period of time. I think we're there in, in respecting what we need to do for privacy for students and our staff. Judy, in your case, here you are a chancellor with ambitions about using data and analytics for good. You have plans, you have ideas. What advice would you give to CIOs who are working with someone like you? What do you need from your CIO to support this important and sometimes challenging work? I think it's important for a very close working relationship between the CEO and the CIO, particularly for the CIO to understand what is the end result that the CEO is looking for with those data analytics and what is the context within the institutional culture for getting there? Because it's not enough to be right about the end point. So much in academia is about process. It's about inclusion. It's about transparency of decision-making. And for the CIO to be able to be there to help facilitate that, to be involved in the larger work 
of the, the colleges, the district. One of the things I am so grateful about in having Joe Moreau as my thought partner in all of this is he is a true educator. And I know from talking to, to counterparts in other districts, they envy me because they may feel that their own CIO is um, much narrower in the sense of the role that he or she might play within the institution. And so Joe always has as his focus student learning and student outcomes. And, and that's really where I am. And the equity lens that he has now been bringing to his job that I've seen evolve over the years and the contribution that he's made that way in the conversation for the CIOs statewide for the California Community Colleges and even some conversations that have been with the CSU and the UC counterparts. I think that's huge. And so I would sort of invite the CIOs who would be um, listening to this to think about a broader sense of their own role. And maybe if they have not been asked by their CEO how to do that, that they start that conversation with their CEO. Yeah, Joe, I, I was hearing Judy talk about the kind of uh, talents and skills and capabilities of a CIO to support this work. I noticed the word technology didn't appear in, the, in that list. <laughs> Did you notice that? If a CIO thinks about themselves first and foremost, as a technologist, they are in fact going to limit their ability to serve their institution. A most successful CIO will first and foremost see themselves as an educator, but an educator who specializes in technology. Throughout our conversation, we've talked a lot about culture. We have actually talked very little about technology and kind of going back to some of the research that EDUCAUSE has done about digital transformation and the three primary factors leading to successful transformation of technology, culture, and workforce. Really, the culture is the hard part, getting that right and doing it in a way that produces benefits to students, faculty, and staff in the broader community is really the challenge. So a CIO who is not focused on cultural issues in their role will be limited in their effectiveness.